Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to introduce Ronnie Bincer, expert at Google Hangouts. How are you doing, Ronnie? I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Sorry for all that technical fun. We've got it going. Just wanted to go back to your entrepreneurial roots again because uh, uh, we get an idea of how an entrepreneur thinks. Your first taste with entrepreneurship was when? Well, I would say back in uh, 1988. I think that's when all I right. first, first started my own company. A few years after I graduated with a master's degree in music and realized though that may be something I loved, I couldn't make a living at it. And I worked for a while actually as a computer salesman at a uh, a store. This was back, this was a while ago, so many of your listeners might recognize this, but way back when, when someone worked at a computer store, they were actually a consultant. They would help you learn what computer to use, what kind of software to use, and even train you on some of that in order to sell the system. And I enjoyed the training. I enjoyed the consultation part, but I did not enjoy the pushing of the boxes, as I say, especially when it came to the point where I was told, okay, you're selling too many of these machines. We need you to sell what's in stock. And I thought, so don't, I thought, don't, don't give the customer what he needs. Get right. rid of what we need to get rid of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because of inventory. So, um, I eventually moved on from that and started doing training on my own. So I'm by nature, I'm a trainer. Uh, that was sort of my first realm into entrepreneurialism, I think. And what I did besides training, I was training people how to use what were called desktop publishing programs back then. There was a, a very old program called PageMaker, and that was my first program that I would use for publishing things. And I was training people how to use it. And some of those people would prefer that I just do the work for them. And so I turned more into not just a trainer, but also a consultant. You know, I would make stuff for them and have that sent to a print shop. And then they would work with whatever it was that they needed printed. So that's way back when. Okay. How and did you monetize it back then? How did I monetize it? I was, I was yeah. billing per hour. I was, I was getting mainly word of mouth referrals, people saying, where did you have this work done? And the client would tell them to reach out to me. And I did that. And little by little, I actually started getting more and more work. Eventually, an opportunity came to do some training for a traveling training company. And I signed up with them and found out that I actually was able to do training in front of larger groups. I had done training in small groups for different local training companies. I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And I, li I live now in Colorado, Colorado Springs. When I did the travel training, I did that for about 12 years as a consultant or a self-employed person. And then eventually the IRS changed the rules so that the company would have to either hire us or not use us. And they did some major restructuring as well as some other things happened. And so I stopped doing that for them, but I continued doing training on my own. All right. 
and just to take that, of course, that area probably has no long. Uh, there's no longer a need in that area, I suppose. Well, it's, I think it's still a need. The thing was, people are doing more and more training online, and less of it that happens in physical conferences. Do you think a person can learn just as well online as any other way with a live presentation? I think if the trainer's good, then the answer is yes. But there's a lot more people doing this that don't have skills as a trainer, but they have skills as a user or an advanced user of a thing and they're not that good at presenting that information. There's a big, big difference between someone that knows how to train and someone who simply knows how to use a piece of software. I've got you. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. And I think the big problem is, with a lot of baby boomers, is if you get someone young teaching this stuff especially, I mean, I I think you need to be 50 or older to teach. I don't know. (laughs) But the problem is is that you get someone 20 teaching you, and you cannot relate to him. He's giving you advanced steps that he automatically thinks you know how to do step one through five. So he's already step six, and you can't catch what he's getting. Yeah, Uh, I I would agree with that, but I wouldn't necessarily pin it on the age of the person. I think it, it gets pinned on the concept of a trainer. So someone that's a trainer continually thinks about what was this like when I didn't know this and tries to bring people up to speed through the process that either they went through or what they've learned over the years has helped others go through. So I I do think it does have a little to do with age and experience, but the mindset, I think, is what makes the difference, knowing that the people you're training might need to go back to the beginning. And that's, that's an important factor, I think, for anybody that's doing training. Exactly. I agree with that, especially for the older generation who are used or not used to this digital concepts. It's not their way of thinking. They're more used to face to face and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Now, a lot of my listeners are trying to figure out, okay, I am a great florist. I've done it all my life. I know how to arrange flowers and I know how to sell and I know how to run a shop. I've owned my shop, but now I've sold it. I'm out of the business. I couldn't do the pace because it's too many hours a week and whatever, and just it's too much stress. Okay, so now I am an expert florist. How am I going to use your knowledge to help me uh, start making money again with all this knowledge I, I have? Uh, one idea is you become a consultant. This is an area you have major skills that could be used and utilized by other people, so then the key is how do you get that information out to the right group of people so that they will know that they need to hire you. Okay, and how do you do that? (laughs) Well, um, part of that comes back to some of my other little journeys in life where I was doing what's called SEO or search engine optimization. And that has to do with using a website generally and making that website show up higher in search rankings when people go to search for things on search engines like Google.com. That's sort of your way to become known when people are searching for certain keywords or the certain topics that you are an expert in. You want to make sure that your stuff shows up higher than others. So the first thing as a florist, do I need to start a blog, set up a website? What would you recommend the first thing that should be done? The, The concept of a blog versus a website is, and maybe some of your other shows you've talked about this, but to me they're one and the same. Your website presence has the ability to have a blog, and the blog basically is usually more frequently posted to. So you might do a daily blog or a a weekly blog or twice a week, something like that. 
whereas some of your major articles that would show up in your website might be you publish those less frequently. So it really depends on how often you want to do this publishing stuff. But bottom line, either way, whether it's a blog, a website, or a combination, you've got to be able to find a way to allow people searching to find it. And one of the most common ways nowadays is using social media. And social right. media means lots of things to lots of people. If there's Facebook, there's Google+, there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn, there's – the list goes on and on. There's Pinterest, Instagram. All these things are different ways to communicate to people what it is you think is important. And when they decide they like what you're posting, then they start to follow you. And that means you now have more influence in their lives based on how much activity they spend on social media. So one of the keys to me is if you can, you want to make sure your work that you do in social media becomes active or important to the search engines. And because Google.com is probably the big or is the biggest search engine in the world, I would encourage people to utilize a platform called Google Plus because it's tied into Google. So integratedly, it's whatever you're doing inside Google Plus is going to start to show up inside Google.com. Google's going to favor Google Plus over some of the other platforms. They like to say they don't, but the reality is they do. Because one of the reasons why is they have free access to anything you do on Google platforms, and that means YouTube or Google Plus are the two primary things. And you might even use their website building tool called Blogger. That's not necessarily required. You just need to make sure that your website is optimized sufficiently so that the certain keywords that you use on a regular basis are known by Google. And then, for example, in, in uh, Google Plus or Facebook or Twitter, you post links back to your articles. But you don't just post the links. That's what I think some people run into as a problem. They say, here's my latest blog. And then they put a link. Why do I care? Right? So if in these social media places you actually post details about what the blog's about or what the article's about and give a little bit of a teaser, as to why they might want to go there, that's going to encourage a lot more people to click on those links to get back to your website to see what it is that the full article includes. So just to go back to this florist, it's day one for him. The first thing he needs to do, let's say he wants to spend 25, 30 hours a week, he needs to make some money with this. What is the first thing he does, does he do? He sets up a website? Yeah, he sets up a website. He's got to get that, okay. that website active sort of as your home base. All right. And then you start looking at linking to that website on various social media platforms. For me, you, mm-hmm. what I found really helpful because I, I focus a lot on Hangouts, which is a tool for great for productivity. And there's another version of it called Hangouts on Air, which is great for broadcasting and marketing. So because those are both part of the system that's tied into Google+, I would encourage using that because to me that's one of the easiest ways to make video content as well as to help do your marketing because people will relate to you because they get to see you. So you had mentioned earlier in in our discussion here that many baby boomers are more used to seeing people face-to-face. Well, this is as as close as you get to -to Mm face-to-face by making a video so people can get to see you, they get to know your mannerisms, and they get to build trust with you just because you're visible. Similar to if you've watched a newscaster for years, you trust Mm -hmm. them. You just come to the point where you trust them and it's based on familiarity generally. 
So when you can do things online that creates video and that video is seen by the people that are following you over and over and over, they come to the point where they trust you. And that, to me, makes a big difference when you're posting things that you want them to take action on. If they trust you, there's more of a chance they're going to do that. All right. So this florist creates the website. Does it matter whether you should go and hang out at some of these uh, hangouts first to get a feel for what's going on, or should he start his own hangout on Floris, or should he go to some other Floris hangouts? What would you recommend? Great question. From what you're asking there, term another way is, how does this Floris build an audience? Yes. That's, in essence, what, what the real key is here. And in my experience, which I've been doing this for almost three years, and that may not seem like a long time, but it's as long as Google Plus has been out. So w- what I've discovered is that when people start to do their own Hangout and Air broadcasts, first off, a couple things happen. One, they don't understand the technology, and then they start to make a mess. And okay. now you've not only got stuff out there, but you're not damaging your reputation. So you don't want to do that. You, you want to get trained. You want to learn what are the steps in order to make a, a good Hangout. So that's one piece that sort of want to throw that in there. But let's talk about that building of an audience concept. Mm-hmm. I would highly advise that the florist goes and looks inside Google Plus for other florists and sees what they're doing. And based on what they're doing, start interacting with that. Because some of these florists may be not a consultant, but they're running a, a physical florist. And so as a result, that doesn't mean that you're conflicting or you're competing, but you're able to actually add value to what they do. Like you can go in and add some suggestions politely. You know, you don't want to tell people, you're doing this all wrong, here's how you need to do it. You find a way to, with using your nice voice, right? You go in and you add some value to what they're doing. And what the, the advantage of that is, and I'm saying add value, and it's, generally in the commenting area. So to picture what's going on, there's a video that's a broadcast that tends to be live and people are watching it live as well as after it's live, it turns in, automatically turns into a recording. That's what Hangouts on Air does for you. And where you package those Hangouts on Air is, it can vary, but the easiest way is on that same Google Plus platform, they have a thing called Hangout on Air Events that are events tied into a date and a time and a topic. So people can register for that event, and you'll be able to see who's registered. And you can start interacting with the people that find interest by going to those things, and now you're starting to build an audience because when you bring in your wise comments, some of those other people are going to appreciate that and thank you for it, and they may just what's called circle you or add you to their grouping of people they like to follow. And then as a result, you have automatically built an audience by simply being in other people's hangout on air broadcast. That's not, and you're not even in the film strip at this point. You're not even part of the video, but you're adding helpful comments to what's going on. So that would be the first step in my mind before you even get into the hangout stuff. You go watch other people's hangouts. So you go to someone's hangout and you comment and say, that's really great what you said there and I'd like to add such and such. So right. you use your best voice and you put that, can you put your signature below so they can go back to your website? Is that allowed? You can, but that's not considered that great. What that's I would etiquette. do, the etiquette tends to be you add comments and people are able to connect with you on that social media platform by moving and clicking on your profile picture. In your own profile area is where you put all your self-promotional stuff where you say, here's the link to my website. 
this is what I do, and uh, here's why you want to connect with me. So it's a it's a two step. The reason I'm asking you that mainly is because I've heard what happens a lot of times, Ronnie, is that uh, the Facebook decides, okay, you can send all your friends your information, and you got 5,000 friends. And then a year later, they change their mind and say, well, you can send all your friends, only 10% of your friends, and the other 90%, you got to pay to send it to them. So you do want to keep everything back on your own website, I would imagine, even with Google+. Though Google+, isn't charging at this point, or are they for no, broadcasting? No, they're not. Okay. They're not, but they they're may not go charging. that model. They may, but they've, they've said multiple times, many, many times over the years, that they don't need to monetize that platform. And I can tell you, I can give you reasons why, but bottom line is I don't believe that they're going to be putting in ads or paid promotional stuff inside uh, Google+. Now, the other thing that comes up in my mind, everyone has heard of YouTube, and they're going to say, well, how does – I guess there's two things. Google there is live and recorded, where uh, YouTube is only recorded. Is that one of the main differences? That's one of the main differences, yeah. The Hangout on Air broadcast ties in automatically to your YouTube channel. Oh, so you so get both. You get both. Yeah, it does both at the same time. And because YouTube is basically the world's second largest search engine, Google.com is the first, you then using the Hangout on Air tool will actually show up in the top two search engine results in the world. Because you, uh, Google owns YouTube? Yes, they do. Okay. So there's sure. really no reason for anyone to record anything at YouTube these days considering the power of of Google Air, is there? I mean, unless it's more technical, or is it just as easy to figure out how to do a recording on Google Air uh, that a florist can use? You're saying Google Air. I think you mean Hangouts on Air. Or, or, yeah, Hangouts, I'm sorry. Yeah, there is reason for some, but those are the people that have a lot of skill when it comes to videography, right? And they want to do some more fancier editing of their videos. That you can't do while you're in a live broadcast. On a hangout on air, yeah. There's still reason to to make a video ahead of time and then upload it into into YouTube. But one of the advantages of the hangout on air is is in essence what a lot of people use it for is they do weekly shows or biweekly, you know, every two weeks or monthly. And what that does is it's think of it this way: it's people get to the point where they decide they like what you're talking about, they like the topics, and they're looking forward to your next show to see what it is you're going to say next. And so you get into a, a structured schedule so that people will know this is coming up, I'm looking forward to it, and then they join you, in essence, by watching. That's All something right. that, that you can do in this broadcasting thing. You can still do that also with uploading videos on a regular schedule, but the magic in my mind when you're using Hangouts on Air is the ability to bring in live interaction. You can bring in the comments from the people that are watching. You can bring them right onto your screen with various tools so that you can then acknowledge the commenter that's doing it live and the beauty of that. It then encourages that commenter to continue commenting. And others would say, hey, if I do a nice comment or a good comment, I could get mine on screen, so I'm going to do it too. And so you get more people interacting with your show, which draws more viewers. Now, when this brings the people that have called in up, it can actually bring a picture of their video of them talking live into your show? No. Um, if it's commenting, what it does is it shows the text that they commented with, but it mm -hmm. also shows a picture of them, their profile picture, and their name. 
So in essence, right. without without having to get through the technical difficulties, which there are some, of getting people just to pop right into the video conversation, I highly advise that people use tools like the Comment Tracker tool, which is the one I'm referencing, that allows you to bring in text comments right onto the screen. But it's a still image. It's not a moving picture like a video. Now, do you get a chance to edit or pick the ones you want before you put oh, yeah. it live? Or? Oh, for okay. sure, yeah. You don't. You don't, you don't want to just bring in every comment because sometimes there's really strange ones. No, you choose the right. specific ones you want to be able to show on screen from a list of all the different comments that come in. So you almost need someone to help you if you've got a bunch of comments coming in to pick the good ones or whatever. If you get popular enough, yes. I actually, when I do my, I have a membership group where I train people how to use Hangouts on Air called Hangout Mastery. And whenever we do our, we have a monthly Q&A session and then just a month, another show that happens every month where I'm talking about certain topics that are related or the community is asking for. Um, I always have people help me manage those comments because there's too many to come in. Right. Now, this florist, again, is not a technician. He doesn't know any, you know, he knows how to put a computer on, but that's about it. How quick do you think, okay, he's set up this website now, and he's created a blog on the website, so daily he puts uh, five minutes of what he thinks is going on or, or helpful hints or whatever. Right. Uh, how fast is he going to be able to get up to speed to using, he, he's going to Hangouts and commenting, but how quick now can he engage this for himself, do you think? A couple of things need to kind of happen simultaneously if, you can, if they can. One is go in and comment on other people's shows that are related to your area of expertise. While that's happening, you're also going to be able to view how other people are making their hangouts, what seems to make for a good hangout. Then, if you can and you've decided this is an area you want to embrace, you want to get some training. And I've got a training site called allabouthangouts.com, which has a training course which is very structured, self-guided. You can do it day or night doesn't matter. It's our, It's got printable study guides to go along with each of the video modules. If you do the, the way we suggest, it takes three weeks. So three, three weeks, weeks, you could have your own hangout and know what you're doing technically. Yes. How many hours a week is that <laughs> learning, would you say? To, it's to actually it? not that many. What we're trying to do is let people learn a little and then practice and then learn a little more and then practice again. If you didn't do all those steps and do all the practicing, you could probably get through the course, which is nine modules. You could probably get through that in a day. Okay. But you want to do it the other way where you're actually practicing each step now. So you do step one and you screw up. Can they text you or ask you a question? If you're doing the way we suggest in our training, you don't actually make it public. You're doing this in an unlisted environment. You're practicing oh, okay. on, your, on your own and there's really nobody right. else watching it. Okay, so it's a private situation. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. let's say you've got a question at that point. You're on lesson two and you're confused or something. Mm -hmm. uh, as part of your course, any email interaction or something where they can ask some questions? With the email interaction or the community involvement is in that other space that I've got called Hangout Mastery, which is a very active community of people that use Hangouts on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. there's tons of interaction that happens on that. What's, what's the name of that again? Hangout Mastery. One of the easiest ways to get to all these different training options I offer is mm -hmm. to go to thehangouthelper.com. And that has a place for training that you can click and see the description of the different right. training options that are there. That's thehangouthelper.com. Now, do you have a package? you do it all for them? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, there's th- actually three levels of training I offer. One is through the allabouthangouts.com, which is the self-guided do it on your own and your own schedule. Mm-hmm. Then there's Hangout Mastery, which is a community-based training situation where we also have recorded videos, but it's less structured, you know, because I've got people of all levels. The allabouthangouts.com is usually a good place to start if you're brand new. And then the third level that I offer is just one-on-one consultations where I'll meet with you, believe it or not, in a hangout, okay? Because it doesn't matter where you are physically in the world. Mm-hmm. And I make a recording of our training session using a private uh, hangout on air. And then you have access to that video to watch it over and over and over again as often as you need to. So that's training there. But if you need somebody or want somebody to help run your activity, I also do that as a consult, a consultant. So you can do you can do the whole thing. I mean, we have some that have lots of money and they don't want to know all the technical stuff at all. Sure. They sure. just want to be able to go on each day and and talk about their subject matter. Let's say the florist, he sold his florist for a million bucks, so he's not worried about money, right. but he wants to do this thing and and it, it's fun for him and he wants sure. to help others and so on. So working with he's eventually going to start figuring it out, but he's sure. in no hurry. So yeah, well, I find I train myself out of a job a lot of times. Right. But, uh, yeah, if, if it makes sense for this particular person to have me host a thing for them, I push all the buttons, and all they've got to do is get in, and I can show them how to get in to the video call, and then basically they're the featured speaker. And what we would probably do is get additional people in the film strip, which is what we call the little part of the video, and get them to be able to interact and ask questions of the expert, because I'm not necessarily the person that needs to be asking those questions, but it tends to work well when there's multiple people in this little video thing and they're talking to each other. So in the florist case, you would go out and find two other people that are knowledgeable in in the florist business and they would be co kind of backup for them and questions and what have you. Right. If I'm doing all that, otherwise I would encourage the florist to start connecting with people through commenting. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time for them to start doing their own shows, that's when I get involved. And they'll say, hey, I met these four people. I'd like to bring each one of them onto a show. And um, we can do that. And then the call to action you also do as part of your show is you say, if you'd like to be part of our next hangout, please let me know. Here's where you go to do that. And I point them to a contact page on your website or something like that. And then you'll be able to build more and more people as an audience, as well as those that would like to be on the show. So you've got, you've got lots of different levels of interaction. One, people can be in the video with you discussing the stuff. The second is people can be commenting, and then you can bring those comments onto the screen. You grow in your audience in many different ways that way. Okay, so now we've got the florist. He says he's got a great face for radio, and he doesn't want to be, <laughs> be seen by anybody. Now we can do the Google Hangouts again, but to strictly audio, and can he use picture, you know, like create uh, pictures of the different flowers and talk about them, but not have himself on there at all? That's the... You certainly could, but let me give a warning. If that's the case, people don't trust you as much. Oh. They really like to see you, just like we talked about when you're meeting people face-to-face, they get to see you. You're not wearing a mask, right? You're not putting a picture of flowers in front of your face. So the idea where the real value, I think, comes in is when you're able to be visibly part of the video. So even though someone says they have face for radio, there's a lot of people that are still doing Hangouts now and are getting over that potential fear or that potential mm-hmm. stumbling block 
because of the value that when people get to see you, they can see your mannerisms, then they come to trust you. And there's, again, more likely going to select you when it comes time to needing your services because they trust okay. you. So let's say you have a 10-part course that's uh, $200 for on Floris. If you do it strictly audio compared to video, you think your sales are going to be half if you're just audio or something? Or how, how, how drastic effect does this you being on camera have on your sales, do you think, from your experience? Well, the course is the product, let's say, that you're selling. Mm-hmm. The marketing of that product is a different angle. And these Hangouts on Air can be used, actually, to create the course content. But a lot of people are doing is they're using them to create marketing materials that drive people to eventually buy the course. Now, if, if you point out to people that we do a lot of images because we want you to make sure you see the flower while we're talking about it with the flower mm-hmm. arrangement kind of thing, you know, they're probably going to understand that. I would suggest that the visual marketing component, you can still show pictures as part of it, but you also want to get your face as part of it. So you could start the training off on uh, violets or something. Okay, this whole show is going to be about violets, and it shows you at the beginning, okay, and I'm going to be showing you all these pictures about violets, maybe talking for a minute or two, and then just doing pictures the rest of the time. Oh, sure. Yeah, you don't have to... For a topic like florists, when we're talking about a very visual concept that we want to make sure people are seeing, you definitely want to show the flowers and your voice can be narrating behind the scenes. I'm simply saying, don't get it in your head that you're only going to do that and that's it because you still need your face to be part of the trust building factor. To make this work. Yeah, to make it work. I mean, nowadays, there is so much information out there so many people competing for the same attention that you've got to set yourself apart. And one of the ways to set yourself apart is by doing these live broadcasts that will turn into a recorded video. And not only will you have the live component, but now you can add that video back onto your website and let people watch it on your website so that you can more easily point them to your different calls to action that are sitting on your website. Now, if you're going to use a picture of yourself on your write-up about who you are at the Google Hangouts, is it important to have a very professional photography-type picture, or it could be used as standing in your garden if you're a florist? It can be you standing in your garden. What, what I think a lot of baby boomers aren't as familiar with is the informality that's happening nowadays online. So sometimes when a picture is so polished and perfect, people don't trust it, whereas when it's a little bit not as perfect, they feel that this is a real person and they're going to be able to connect more with this particular person. Now, it depends on your target, your target audience. If you are targeting people that expect a very high level of professionalism, then you want to spend the money and get better quality imagery. If forest, you do need good quality pictures so that people can look at the nuances that you're going to be talking about. But as far as a picture of yourself, putting you in in the garden is fine rather than being in the studio. Now, if you're an attorney and you show yourself a picture of you standing in your garden with your hat on, that might not be a good idea. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, that's, again, the target audience who you're trying to impress. Right. And, and now, get, if you're trying to get uh, attorney florists, you might be okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yes. There might not be very many of them. <laughs> now, even though hangouts are the biggest part of what I do on a daily basis, they're not the end-all, be-all for everything. If you are a florist, um, pictures of your flowers and your arrangements is a big deal. So 
There's social media sites like Pinterest, which focuses a lot on pictures, as well as Instagram, which also focuses on pictures that you definitely want to take advantage of. Now, Google Plus has a wonderful way to display pictures on that platform as well. But you definitely want to bring in some of the other social places like Pinterest and Instagram if you're going to be focusing a lot on still pictures. So with this Flora situation, again, what's the benefit or the difference between Instagram and Pinterest? Two different target audiences. And when you get right down to it, you have to try both to see which one gives you the most traction. Is one more professional than the other? Would the attorney use Instagram instead of Pinterest and the florist would use Pinterest instead of Instagram? Well, I'm not so sure the attorney's taking pictures a lot. So I don't know where the attorney fits into the the high heavy okay, visual so might, environment. Well, pictures of him winning, you know, everyone shouting he won the case. I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. It, it really depends on how you promote things out there. So I... I would lean probably towards Pinterest because it's been around a little bit longer, but Instagram is is a very good one as well for when there's a lot of visual still shots going on. What other ones might there be? Is there any other new ones there on the horizon besides, besides those two that are coming up quickly? Or To me, if I were to add the third one in, I'd put in Google Plus because of the way it displays images. They can be very, very large and very, very clean and clear, and it can be very prominent in the way that the post shows those pictures. So photographers worldwide have come to love Google Plus because of its ability to show the the high-quality images. So if a person wanted to really become famous on YouTube with, like, they're a florist again, the the only disadvantage of Google uh, Hangouts is that you can't edit it. It's kind of live, or even if you do, once you do the recording, can you edit it before the recording version comes out? No, the recording version comes out pretty much instantaneously. Within, you know, five, ten minutes at the most after you're done with your recording. Now, some people take that recording and download the video to their computer and then add some additional editing to it. And oh. there's nothing nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, I suggest people, if you're going to talk to your florist and you're talking about four different concepts in your weekly show or whatever, you, how often you do it, you can take that video and download it and then cut it up into four segments, four different okay. videos. Right, so you can right. take a longer show and slice it up into smaller pieces, and then take advantage of the fact that now you've got three or four pieces that can be uploaded to YouTube and optimized for the particular topic that's covered in that particular segment. Okay, now that brings me up to this question: Is how often do I want to do this Google Hangouts? I want to build this thing as fast as I can. I've just been laid off. I'm 55 years old. We've got bills. We need to make some money. And I'm willing to spend 80 hours a week if I have to. Well, maybe mm-hmm. that's a little overboard, but you know, 40 hours or 50 hours a week to, to do this thing. Is there a point where you're on there too often or you, there isn't never too often? <laughs> Unfortunately, there's never too often. When I say on there, not, you know, you can be on there a lot. It's more interacting with people and making connections with people than it is doing a show over and over and over and over again. I mean, your, your viewers will get a little overwhelmed if you've got too many shows going on. So I would suggest once a week okay. is pretty good, and I'm sticking to the florist concept. If there's some breaking news, some legislation that's changing for florists across the country or the world, so if there's breaking news, then go ahead. You can bring something in 
specifically based on what just happened. And that breaking news concept is pretty powerful because in essence you've got your own broadcasting network with these hangouts on air. So when, when there's a topic that just came out that you have good information to add to, go ahead and make a show about it. So it runs into my next thought is, is uh, some talk about uh, kidnapping the latest thing that's going on. So in other words, anything that goes on about Floris, mm-hmm. you could immediately go and comment over at Twitter or whatever, you know, something's going on and someone broke into a florist. I don't care if the florist is in the name. Okay. So you go there and you comment and say, yeah, well, I have a great security system for my florist. And then you get them over to your website. So uh, I, I, no, I guess it's called hijacking, hijacking, uh, breaking news. Yeah, writing on the coattails of the news, basically. So that is, is that an effective way to get a bunch of people maybe over to your Google Hangouts? It is. Um, when the topic is relevant, it's hot online, then making sure that your Hangout on Air uses similar wording in its titles and things like that is going to help it get found and draw people to, to come watch it. And I guess this is the hardest question. He's a florist. He's a plumber. He's a whatever. But he's good at what he does, right. and he wants to get this thing rolling and he takes all the training he can he takes everything you've got or whatever how quickly do you think a person can start monetizing this this idea and start making you know a thousand plus a month that that he needs minimum just to even keep going type of type of thing right if your website is set up well and you have a clear marketing message mm-hmm. so some of the training you wanted to do is get learn strategy and concepts that you want to make sure that your messaging is clear, you could start monetizing it right away. If you... So the first day. Yeah, you could. The, the catch is maybe nobody knows that your website exists. So that's where having these other channels like Google Plus or Facebook or Twitter, where you're broadcasting to people, this is where I talk about these things and it's very valuable for you if you're in this industry that will draw people eventually to start sharing that content as well as going there themselves. So the the monetization piece for sure is a tricky one because in social media in general, they don't like people selling all the time. They like you being social. So if you think of it this way, maybe 80% of the time that you're doing this activity to help promote your content is you're being nice. Uh, you're not pulling people over to your website just to sell to them but you're pulling them over there so they can find more value for the information that they're seeking. This is hard, but you have to give away a lot of the information. Sometimes when people see that information and they decide, you know, I like the way this guy tells me the stuff I need to know, I'm going to look into whatever else he has to offer. So that's where that clear call to action needs to be visible on the website so people can easily say, okay, I like the guy, I like the lady, I'm ready to click. So you want a, a, a kind of an 80-20 situation then where you're you're talking for a half an hour of really good content and then the last five minutes is, and if you want personal help with it, go to the website and the details are such and such. And so you're doing 30 minutes of good stuff and five minutes of selling. Right. And um, if you can, you want to put that in the middle of things so it's not just at the end. But, okay. But not heavy-handed. And when you're posting on these social places, I would say, let's say you do four posts that are informational to, and you're responding and sharing other 
people's posts. That's a very important factor. I don't even, we even talked about that. When you are building your audience, you're going and finding out what these other people do. And when you can, you want to share their posts by adding in additional insight that you can add to it. That not only helps people that are following you expand their network in essence, but it also helps you build an audience because the people you share their materials for are going to really appreciate you, and there's a very good chance they're going to reciprocate and share what you do. So if you are starting this florist thing again and there's a famous florist that's really doing well, Mm -hmm. and you keep going over there and commenting, there's a good chance that at some point he's going to come over to your place. Right. And it's not just commenting on their thing, but you actually try to share what they've posted. Adding some value. Well, I say adding value is because some people will just hit the share button and it just basically brings that same person's post over into your space. And if you've not put any context in it, it's just the same as giving a link. And as I said earlier, just sending a link and saying, go watch this or go read this, there's need to be context as to why you think it's important. So adding value to the share is going to be a good thing. So you're going to add some in your paragraph or two about why you found this very interesting and important and you think that the followers that are following you would find it helpful because of ABC kind of thing. So just to go back to that other question again, so if a person was to, for the next 60 days, spend 40, 50 hours a week doing this and taking every course you've got and learning and commenting and doing everything, 60 days from now, could he expect to be making a 1000 a month? I mean, I know it's going to vary. That's a big question. But is it reasonable for him to be 60 days from now pulling in a 1000 a month from whatever, personal consulting, uh, yeah. maybe a little course he created or whatever? Is that a reasonable goal? I think it is definitely reasonable, assuming one big deal, that the thing that you're selling is important to other people. It may be important to you. But mm-hmm. if it's not marketable, it's not uh, it's not in demand by other people. You can spend as many hours as you want, and not going to work for you. Yeah. So you've you've got to have a thing that you're selling or things that you're offering. They they've got to be of value to your viewers. So if you were collecting uh, toilet paper rolls, the cardboard inside, and they're all different textures, and some are wider and thicker and better, you may not have a big audience. <laughs> That's a great example, but you'd be surprised what people will spend money on. Oh, so. okay. Maybe, maybe you would have an audience. Okay, yeah. so, so niching down isn't a bad idea. You get uh, narrow it down and down, and you can always go wider later. But yeah. and by niching, I mean you know that you're not looking for everyone that buys cars. You're looking for only people that buy the Lotus, maybe, let's say. Right. Or you're looking for florists that would like to take advantage of your years of experience where you can do consultations. And one of the one of the advantages of the consultations is you can literally do it for people anywhere in the world. So if yes. you're using the online tools, like we're talking about with the Hangouts and Hangouts on Air, you can do consultations with people literally anywhere in the world. And how do you go about pricing yourself for something? So how is this florist going to say, well, gee, should I start at $50 an hour or 100 or, or what? 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 How does he decide? That's another good question. And the answer will be one of those horrible answers. It's a, It depends. Okay. okay. It depends on what the market will bear. If you see other people offering similar services and you either sign up for to go to one of their classes or consultations, you can get an idea whether 
you think that's good enough from the pricing point to do something similar. What I have found it to be a common method of pricing is you start on the lower end than what you really want, but then move yourself up when you start getting busy. And you, okay. you move up the price until it breaks, and then you back off a little bit and say, okay, right. it seemed to be working at X price per hour, and now we're doing Y price, and it's still working. When I get to Z price, it stopped working. People aren't doing it as often, and even though I'm charging more, I'm netting less. So let's back off a little bit and yeah. do a special offer. Where's that sweet point? Yeah. So should a consultant in any field go lower than $20 or $15? Or no. Is there any bottom? No. I wouldn't really go lower than, say, $49 an hour, $50 an hour, basically. For anything? For any I, kind of consultant? Yeah, I mean... Florist, attorney, doesn't matter. $49 is... I, I just don't think it's worth your time if you if you go lower than that. Now, if, if you're you doing, get, if, if you're selling a course, right? If you're selling a course that doesn't involve you being there physically and are you know virtually in in the activity, then that's different. I mean, you can you can maybe make up for it in volume if you have a lower price point. But when you're doing your own time and you're having to spend that time in the video room, I wouldn't go any lower than fifty an hour. Just you wonder how someone like on Kindle will create a uh, forty thousand word uh, book and sell it for two ninety five and get half that money so they get a buck and a half. Yeah. Say, boy, they got to really do some volume. Um, a lot of times, what they're doing there is they're they're proving their their worth. They're they're getting a bestseller because it's cheap, and then later they can actually ramp that price up. It's sold X number of thousands of copies or millions of copies. Now they can ramp it up, and at that point, people see that it sold so many copies, but they didn't know that it only was two ninety nine at that time. All right. Well, th- let's just make sure we've got the best place to get a hold of you is, again, the Hangout Helper, H-E-L-P-E-R.com. The word V is part of it, P-H-E, and then HangoutHelper.com. Okay. And I'll put it on the on the show notes so they have it there too. But okay. any other, do you want to give your email or anything? Or? Sure. The email address for me is Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, at thehangouthelper.com. And if they want to get straight into the training for brand new people using Hangouts, they can go to allabouthangouts.com. Yeah, right. but they can, they can find access to that through thehangouthelper.com as well. Okay. Okay. And just last uh, maybe couple minutes, what would be some advice you would give to my listeners again that probably most of them would like to make a thousand or two thousand extra a month right now. That's what they, they, why they're here. And what would be your last comments for them? The main comment I would add to that is you've got to be known as an expert for people to pay you money for your time. And so finding a way to become known as an expert and a trusted expert are going to be key components. So that is one of the main reasons I encourage people to use Hangouts on air because that allows you to become known and seen, literally, as a trusted expert faster than almost any other method you can try. So uh, this is, okay, better than uh, YouTube's, better than than all the other methods out there. This is the one that's going to get you established the quickest. I believe so. That's been my experience and for many, many, many other people as well. Okay, well, I'm sure a lot of people are itching to get over there and and, and look at this and really consider it because 
it sounds like a platform that is a, is way ahead of many of the others and incorporates all the other platforms too. So. Right, right. And one of the one of the key components, just to add this in, is the tool itself. The Hangouts and Hangouts on Air tool costs mm-hmm. you zero dollars. Nice. It doesn't cost you a penny, and you can make as many shows and broadcasts as you want for no cost. And you don't see that changing anytime soon. I do not. No. Google makes money in other places. They What they do when they see you active on social media, they then can target their ads at you more accurately so that the ads you see are more relevant to what you might be interested in. And as a result, there's a better chance you're going to click through and do something with that ad because it makes sense for you. So they can charge the advertisers in the places where they do sell advertising for Google. They can charge them more money because it's a more targeted ad based on your activity that you're doing in the public space on Google+. So that's their method and reasoning for building that network and keeping it for free. It's amazing how good they're at, good at doing that, because uh, like HostGator, I inquired about HostGator, which I'm using anyway, but I put it on somewhere where I put HostGator down, and no matter what platform almost I go to, Google or anywhere else on the side, there's an ad for HostGator. They know I was looking into that, and they they got the ads all tied up with me immediately. So, yeah, they're sure. they're good marketers. Yeah, they're they're good at. Well, this was fantastic. Really enjoyed this, Ronnie, and I appreciate you taking all this time. And I think a lot of people can learn from you, and I'm sure many will come over and visit you. And I hope to get a hold of you over the next few months to interview you again and see what new things you've added. And uh, and, and talking to you again to help help our folks here. Sounds great, Ken. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay, thanks again, sir. You bet. Okay, bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.